Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture, media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Matt, Matt. Matt, what do people do? People should like, subscribe, tell a friend, maintain and ignore a my six... jingling ice. <laughs> <laughs> maintain a safe six-foot distance from everybody, cover your mouth when you cough, and... Um... And don't inject yourself with disinfectant. This has been PSA for Or do. Long. If you think that'll work, please inject yourself with disinfectant. <laughs> Yeah, you saw my Facebook post about that, right? No. Oh my god. So I've told all my friends about this, and I don't mind putting this. Isn't that isn't super political? Because they know where we stand. We do a podcast on pop culture media. Hollywood is the most liberal place ever. <laughs> um, I have all these, and you know about these, I have all these like uh, tinfoil hat theories about why Donald Trump's actually a great president. I had my green Jesus theory. Right. Was, he like, he's trying to make the country go uh, economic. Um, not economic, ecological, eco-friendly, eco-friendly, fucking yeah. good enough. Uh, this one was that there's one of two things, either, uh, it's stupid Donald Trump and he doesn't, he didn't believe that, he didn't believe in Charles Darwin and natural selection. He just wanted to put it to his own test. But then my theory of him actually being like a, like a pretty morally gray, good president, <laughs> Uh, is that he knows natural selection's a thing, and he took this as an opportunity to utilize it. Because <laughs> you know everyone that's going to inject themselves with it, with it uh, and uh, disinfected should probably be taken out of the gene pool. <laughs> yeah. Dude, what? You gave a weird look, dude. I do not endorse this message. <laughs> anyway... Oh, God. I love my stupid tinfoil hat theories that are horrible. <laughs> anyway, Matt, what you up to? I love your stupid tinfoil hat. Wait, that's just your hair. <laughs> Look! It's so long! Uh, what, what have I been up to? Um, mostly been reading a lot. Huh. Um, some comics. I read Hush. <gasps> and? I liked it. It's good, isn't it? It's pretty good. Yeah. You're, I liked it. It always is, is a preface to like, there's a couple, like, there's some fundamental problems with it. I, I don't, I've got a couple fundamental problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know you so well. I, I really. When it has an upward inflection, there's definitely like a. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I like it a lot. I like the way Batman is characterized. It's kind of, this is a Batman that's on top of his game. Mm-hmm. He's got the whole Bat family around him. He, I, I just, I love the way he uses gadgets in yeah. this. It's just, it's, it's kind of the ideal of what I want Batman mm-hmm. to be. There's always a new and interesting thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it kind of feels less like a focused mystery and more of a, villain of the week with a big reveal at the end. Yeah. Which is kind of my problem with Long Halloween, mm-hmm. is it doesn't feel like an actual mystery, it just feels like a villain of the week with the reveal at the end. How early did you catch it? Uh, I kind of half remembered that oh, that's really? what happened. I was like, I, I think it's character XYZ that I'm mm-hmm. going to mention for spoiler purposes. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Um, it definitely suffers from, okay, brief spoilers for Hush if you're ever going to read it. If you don't, if you're never going to read it or you don't care, it doesn't matter. It, it suffers from the problem of, like, when two characters are introduced at the same time and one of them you don't know their identity, it's the other one. 
Right. Like, they introduced him at the beginning of the series, and then they also introduced Hush. Who the fuck is Hush? The other guy they introduced at the same time. It's just yeah. that... It, that happens a lot. That happens with Gotham by Gaslight in the, yeah. in the animated movie. Introduce a random guy. Turns out it's him. Um... They do that just all the time. Yeah. Anytime there's a mystery, and they uh, and they hammer in. Um, Dark uh, Batman Arkham Knight does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really hammer home the fact that Jason was killed by Joker, and so like Batman starts having like visions of Joker being killed. And like, hey, look! Remember when he died? Yep. Yeah, he's so dead right now. Oh, he's so horribly dead. Oh, hey, you're getting close to Arkham Knight, or you're getting close to catching the Knight. Hey, look! Remember how he's dead and never coming back? <laughs> and I was just like, even if I didn't know that who it was, I'd be playing and be like, it's definitely Jason Todd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I think the the story just didn't interest me that much, but I loved the details, mm-hmm. um, and I just I had a lot of fun reading it. Yeah. Um, the Superman fight is fantastic. I always forget that that's in there. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Because it's that's around the the height of kind of similarly the um how good Superman was at the time too. Because Superman mm. was really really good late aughts. Okay. Um, like the one of the problems with New Fifty Two that I was realizing, I was learning recently, is that like they didn't need to update. They didn't like the reason they reset it was fine, but it fucked up a lot of really good quality about the characters, because, like, it had a lot of, like, Hush, like, all... Mm -hmm. Hush and all of the, like, the Batman having been killed, and, like, the Batman Robin introducing Damian Wayne, all this stuff. Like, all these Batman stories leading up to 2010 were really, really good. And Superman had a lot of really cool moments, too. I haven't read them, but, like, I know that there's a lot of good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And they restarted it, and it all that went away. Like, it was just... That kind of stuff never really happened. Like was, again, with the problem with the New Fifty Two is yeah. like everything. All this stuff happened in five years. Yeah. Unless you didn't really need it to happen. Hush didn't happen. Hush just kind of exists. Yeah. Um, uh, stuff like that. It like it kind of put a the buzzkill on the 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 frenzy that DC was having mm-hmm. uh, with the characters. So yeah. So like having a really great Superman, a really great Batman fighting. Was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just—I mean, for one thing, it's just—it's a really good gadget fight, and mm-hmm. sort of like it's not just two people punching each other. Cough, yeah. cough, Zack Snyder. It's—it's—it's <laughs> uh, it's creative and interesting, um, and I absolutely love that line of the Clark's weakness is that deep down he's a good person, mm-hmm. and deep down I'm not. Yeah. Oh, it's such oh, a that's, good line. That's so good because uh, I think that made it into the Hush movie. Okay. That's such a, like, because it was, um, you're going to shoot me with your laser vision, like, under all, like, because it, like, it, it was mm-hmm. using the environment to its advantage, right. too. And that's not really something that happened to BBS either. Not at all. Like, it was just, like, the environment was there for him to be, like... Thrown into. Thrown in, exactly. Into. Yeah. Uh, but this one was like, hey, now we're fucking under, like, look, gas lines. Heat vision, you're going to use your heat vision? Really? <laughs> yep. What was the, what was the build-up to the deep down he's a good person? Oh, was it, um, he used Lois to pull him out, didn't he? He, like, threw mm-hmm. Lois off a cl- off the building? Yes, but it was before that. Um, if I'm misremembering, or if I'm remembering right, he thinks, he's like, 
Clark could end this right now if he wanted to, but he's oh, kind of pulling his punches. Yeah. And that's his problem. Gotcha. He's a good person to be done. That's on. right. Yes. And then that's when he brings out Lois. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a setup for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a good... Who's the writer on this? I can never remember the, the name. Uh, It's not Snyder. Is it... That was the news I missed last time, by the way. Okay. Zack Snyder is writing... Uh, or Not, not Zack Snyder. Snyder. Scott Snyder is going to be Snyder. writing Nightwing. Ooh. I am my one of my favorite writers, like I think my favorite modern writer and my favorite character. I don't care if I know this whole fucking story of Nightwing getting shot in the head and becoming Rick Grayson for a little bit. I don't know what all that's about. I don't know how they resolved it. I'm going to read this run as it's coming out. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um no, who did write it? They got one of the it was either Jeff Loeb or Tim Sale was on it, but I don't remember which one. Um, I'm looking at him right now. Jim Lee. J- no, he drew. Oh, he Jim drew. Lee doesn't write. Well, he does, but not yeah, at that time. Okay. So then you was... know he's like the creative director of DC now, right? Yeah. And that was like among his first gigs. Dude, shut up! Like, <laughs> no. Well, because he was also he did well, he image. Did, like... Yeah, he was image. Yeah, like... he was image before that. Yeah, yeah, and he, like, he, well, because he, he came over with Wildstorm to DC in 2011. Right. And then he just, like, he's so good that he, they're just like, hey, we're just going to make you the boss. Yeah. <laughs> I looked up Jim Lee. God damn it. Uh, uh, Batman, hush. Anyway, well, anyway. I looked that up. Anything else? That, you want to talk about that or you want to move on to your next I'll move on to my next thing. Um, so then I read uh, the first volume of Batman, the New 52. Um, <coughs> blanket on the name. Um, uh, Court of Owls. Yeah. Because Volume 2 is like the City of the Owls. Yes. Court of Owls, City of the Owls, Death of the Family. Yep. Of the family, not right. in the family. Not to be Boy, it took, me like a, it took me like a year to get that straight. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, again, I liked it. Um, Are you seeing the New 52 problems? Mm, what are the New 52 problems? How much time you got? <laughs> Alphabetically or like... So, um, one of the big, big ones point. that uh, the Batman ones suffer from... Batman is the best is one of the best runs of the New 52. Because mm-hmm. they got Scott Snyder on there. They yeah. put their big guys on the big ones. Um, but it still suffers from the problem of like... He's only been doing this for five years. Like, mm-hmm. they, they retconned this whole thing with the Rebirth stuff. And like, Dr. Manhattan... Removing ten years from the DC timeline or something—I don't right. know if I've read it yet. Um, but uh, it's just like he's been doing this for only five years. Yet Nightwing's fully grown up; like he's like twenty-one yeah. or something like that, or he's like twenty-four or something like that. And how the fuck did you adopt him five years ago when he grew up fourteen years? Like it's just yeah. all these really minor kind of. In- Ugh, inconsistencies, and it's just like sort of stuff that I wouldn't notice being kind of a casual comic reader. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> so, what were your problems with it? Um, honestly, I really did like that first volume a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think the big issue for me was just kind of the pacing. Like the first three or four issues or so are great. It's like it's mm-hmm. a focused mystery. It's not villain of the week. It's kind of like. Just sort of piecing together what's going on. Um, I really, I love the design of Talon. And I just, mm-hmm. um, I like the little, like, you see his eyes 
pop up. Oh yeah, and stuff, and they just they use it's it's cool. Um, how much how much have they revealed so far about? Because you don't really know much about the Court of Owls, do you? You know, like pretty much nothing. I've um, talked about it a little bit on here, but not enough to or in depth enough that you remember anything. I yeah, like I read some stuff and I was like, that yeah, feels like something Preston mentioned at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm about halfway through volume two, so okay. a lot of the big reveals have landed. Okay. Um, uh, there's a there's a panel in the in the one of the very first issues. Uh, we'll do some spoilers for these ones. Um, there's a, a panel in one of the first issues where uh, Batman and Lincoln March are next to each other, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "This is terrible art. I can't tell them apart." <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that kind of makes sense. Yep. Um, no, so I, I really like that. I really like the labyrinth set piece and kind of the you in, didn't read that part in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the end of volume one. Okay. Um it just felt like a jump. Like we're missing a couple of issues between kind of normal mystery when and then could... all of a sudden you've been in the labyrinth for a yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's one of those things where they like one of the one of the shortcomings of comics in general is the fact that they release like monthly or mm-hmm. bi-monthly so sometimes they use that and sometimes they don't. Right. Where, like, you do an adventure and it's the end of the adventure. And then two weeks later, you start an adventure and it's like, oh, remember that thing we did two weeks ago? It's like, ah, because it's live, like, yeah. real time. But then it's like, oh, no! And then two weeks later is the pickup from that moment. And right. it's just like, the two weeks didn't happen. And it kind of messed with that. That was one of those times where they tried to play with that two-week time in between. So it's like, oh, he's been in there for so long. And yeah. he has. And, ah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the gimmick of them flipping the uh, the comic? Alan Moore did it better. <laughs> uh, did you flip the wrong way when you got to the third page? No, I think I got it right. I still do that. I've read those <laughs> volumes, or I've read those books three or four times, and I still flip the wrong way when I get the... So for some context for the listeners, the it does this thing where Batman's going fucking insane underground. Um, and so what it actually does is it kind of plays to that kind of insanity and dis- disjointedness where it actually, like, the book, they flip the panels, basically, where, like, on one page you're reading it right side, and then you flip the page, and then all the panels are, like, tilted, so, like, you flip it 90 degrees, mm-hmm. and you're reading, you read it, like, left to right, top to bottom, when it's flipped. Right. And then it does it again, so your book is upside down. And it's like, they literally just took the, the two pages and then flipped the whole two pages upside down. Right. So you're reading the book, but like, you have to flip your left page to flip to the right to the next mm. page instead of flipping the, the right page. And every single time, I forget that it's upside down and I flip my right page and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been here before. Yeah. Huh? Maybe that's the point. Uh? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean... I'm not a huge fan of gimmicks just in general, just in, in life. Those stupid little kitchen kitchen gadgets that they market on late night TV. Hate those things. Um, yeah. Gimmicks in, in music, it's it's all artificial. The third movement of Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony where it's like all pizzicato for three minutes. Awful. Ah, pizzicato pisses me off. <laughs> Funny joke to see. <laughs> I just had to say something to make sure that I yeah. was picking things up. Um, I think it. I think it works in this case. It's just kind of a bland execution of a cool idea. Um, the way Alan Moore does it, he does it in like volume three or four of um, the Swamp Thing run, is 
just so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay. And two more words: plant sex. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I think you made the comment about that last. I time. think I think I talked about yeah, it when I read it. I probably raved about it. Yes, yeah. it's, it's very well executed in there. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm about halfway through volume two of that. I'll probably be done with that run entirely by the next time we record. That stuff reads a lot faster than a lot of the other stuff you read, doesn't it? Yeah, Nightfall was a slog. Mm-hmm. Um, Hush, I was trying to space it out, do like an issue or two a night, and then I just sat down one afternoon and bashed yeah. out the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah well, it's, it's also mostly because just the, the writing style of Zack Snyder is a lot more spread out. Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder, fuck. I'm so sorry to disrespect your name, Scott Snyder. <laughs> um, it's a lot more spread out. Like, you'll, you're flipping pages, literally flipping pages faster. Yeah. Like, like more often. Yeah. Um, which is when, like, I went from that to New Teen Titans, like, to uh-huh. Mark Wolfman's writing, where yep. it's just like, this is so dense. Yeah. Same thing with George Perez and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's just no. a different era. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Enjoying that. Um... I've been reading a book about octopuses. Oh. It's pretty good. Not really relevant here. Why? <laughs> octopuses are cool, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's your favorite animal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I started reading Dune. Dune! Because the movie's coming out. Yeah! Eventually. Eventually. Should be this year. No, it's not going to be this year. It's probably going to be this year. I still don't know what Dune's about. Dune's. Awesome. It's a. I've heard it described as like sci-fi Game Game of Thrones. Interesting. Okay. It sort of is. Um, it's a little less dense, but it feels kind of like a proto Game of Thrones. There's Mm a um, warring factions and uh, complex, richly drawn characters. Um, the I'm really liking the world building. Um, Hmm. a lot of classic sci-fi i just can't get around the world building it's all it's really unnatural yeah but every time they add some new element to the the world i'm on board i'm like that's cool that's interesting mm-hmm. i like that i want to go back and have my nine-year-old self build this out of legos <laughs> <laughs> why wait we gotta fuck that upstairs yeah, let's go do it do it right now <laughs> yeah um so it's 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 fun it's it's enjoyable it's interesting um i'm trucking through it i'm like you said you said you realized you said something about your nine-year-old self and i said why wait what you're like i wish my nine-year-old self you could go go back and do that i was like why wait yeah i'm only turning nine in a year and a half (laughs) (laughs) the wrong things all the Uh, time anyway one could argue that this podcast is a sustained exercise in saying the wrong things yes (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, no, I'm I'm really liking Dune. I'm about 250 pages through it. Um, it's like an 800 page book though. So, and then still there's... more pages than I've read of any like real book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I've started actually rereading Game of Thrones again from the start because me and Hannah are kind of reading at the same time, so mm-hmm. we can occasionally stop and discuss stuff. So many symbols, man. So many metaphors. Metaphors, symbolism. Yeah, but Memes. like, no, seriously. Every little thing is some sort of detail or some sort of hint or mm-hmm. foreshadowing. He's just, it's, I no longer blame him for taking this long to write Winds of Winter. <laughs> Holy crap, is there so much work that goes into these. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's still good. I'm wonder still if it also involves like reason it's taking him so long is like anytime he has to write something, or he, like you write something, he needs to go back and read his entire books to make sure it fits. He actually has a couple of dedicated super fans who keep track of all of those details. Really? And so he consults them. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, he's got, like, a couple thousand named characters uh-huh. across all the books and, like, so many locations and the timelines. And apparently there's a few people, a couple of people out there that just, like... pay them? I don't know. Because I'd love to just get paid to read comics if someone wants to consult <laughs> me as, like, a dedicated DC <laughs> super fan and I know everything about everything that's existed. That'd be pretty great. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, let's see. I have watched some stuff. Right. I watched one more episode of Devs. Because I'm not going to watch Watchmen and I'm not going to stop on episode <laughs> four and then quit. <laughs> Which I'm going to go back and I'm going to finish Watchmen. It's just not going to happen right now. Yeah. Um, it was a good episode. It was interesting. It was a lot of flashbacks. Um, which flashbacks are cool. But yeah. just the plot didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um, I watched... I watched this a couple of weeks ago and forgot to mention it. Um, at some point during our hiatus. I watched A Simple Favor... With Blake Lively and Ann Kendrick. Huh. Um, it's kind of a... Sort of a thriller, but kind of a comedy one. It's directed by... Um, I think Paul Feig. Who's that? He's, he, I think he did Bridesmaids and a couple oh. other comedies. Gotcha. And the Ghostbusters reboot. Oh. Yeah. Um, but this one's kind of more of a, a thriller. So Anna Kendrick is single mom husband died in a car crash um and she's basically perfect mom she has a little mommy vlog she does Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the framing device for the story is her little updates and then blake lively is a rich something in entertainment who um is a terrible mom and an alcoholic and um just kind of all around a bad person but a very interesting bad person. so like the polar opposite of blake lively Right. <laughs> and so her and the Anna Kendrick character kind of accidentally become friends. And then the Blake Lively character goes missing. And so Anna Kendrick tries to track her down. Um, and there are many twists and turns along the way. Um, the first third or so is really fun. When it's just Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick playing off each other. Uh-huh. As these vastly different characters. Um, but then it kind of just starts going off the rails. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this guy doesn't really know how to write a thriller. Because <laughs> it's just plot twist after plot twist with occasional just really out of left field jokes. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where a character gets hit by a car. There's like, okay, I need to back up. Um, there's <laughs> <laughs> there's like this great chorus of three parents who all just sort of, there will be a scene and then like it'll cut to these three parents who are kind of watching from the side if it's like in public or something and mm-hmm. they're like wow what a terrible mom this is such a terrible decision and then they'll do something terrible to their own kids oh <laughs> and it's at one point a character gets hit by a, a prius driven by one of these three parents the one of the the male one mm-hmm. and he gets out and kind of stares off into the middle distance with a steely look in his face and he says america's hybrids silent but deadly and it's just what? kind of the weirdest line I've ever seen. <laughs> what the fuck? It's, it's so bizarre and out of place. Also like, wrong, because it's... 
fucking Japanese. Anyway, um, yeah, so it kind of doesn't work. It kind of makes me wonder if he meant it to be a comedy and just didn't make it funny enough. Um, Yeah, it's not terrible. Like I said, it's got a lot of good moments and just fun characters and characterizations, but just doesn't kind of work as a whole package. Mm -hmm. Um, And then last weekend... It was Hannah's turn to pick the movie, and so we watched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, ah. which is a, a good favorite one of hers. When did you guys watch that? On... Wait, I see what you're trying to do God here. damn it! I was really <laughs> hoping you would answer fast enough. <laughs> Let's see. So it was. It would have been Friday? So you got, what, like five, four days ago? Yeah. Four days like, left? Something like that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so that's, that's kind of one of those classic mid-aughts rom-coms. It's got Kate Hudson and Matthew Mahogany. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a clever twist on the genre, actually. It sort of set these people up and they have a relationship. Except the problem is, both of them are entering into this relationship for external reasons. Mm-hmm. So um, Matthew Mahogany's character is an ad executive. And he wants to win an account, like a, a, some big account. Um, and in order to win this, he makes a bet that he can convince a woman to fall in love with him or get a woman to fall in love with him in 10 days. And Kate Hudson's character works in a kind of a, um, it, it's clearly supposed to be Cosmo, um, the women's magazine. Oh, with like, Cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan. Okay. Cosmo, yeah. With like, yeah. Um. And she, uh, she has a she has a friend who just basically scares away boys. She's clingy and um, just kind of like all the bad stereotypes. Um, I did the, I did the thing. <laughs> I got the comfortable chair. Yeah, I didn't do it last time, but I'm doing it this time. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, Kate Hudson's character pitches an article um, about trying out all of these things that you should not do in a relationship and bets that she can scare away any guy in 10 days. Hmm. And so these two, of course, meet and they start this relationship both based on completely false pretenses. And it's kind of, it's funny watching them play off each other. Hmm. Um, The premise gets old about halfway through the second act, Hmm. but then they kind of flip it around and start going into like actual rom-com territory. And it, it, it sort of works. Okay. It's certainly not. It, it, I I liked it. I had fun with it. Yeah. It's not something I'm ever gonna probably rewatch. Yeah. Except I probably will because Hannah really likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen National Treasure a lot, which is not a bad thing because I really like that movie. But All right. Anyway. Anything else? Um. We're about to hit like minute thirty. Okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-seven. Um. I've been reading Hellboy again, and I texted Matt at three fourteen or something in the morning. I think it was three thirty six, but oh. I'll look it up. It was like super early in the morning or late at night because I could not put the third volume down. Um, I forced myself to because I needed to go to sleep. Three thirty eight. Three thirty eight. Because um, boy, does that movie know how to conclude stuff like it? Not movie. Yeah, book. Fuck. <laughs> that movie knows how to conclude an arc that it never started. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Hellboy does an amazing job. It's a little slow at the beginning because it's kind of slowly introducing you to concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, volume two brings you uses those concepts that they've introduced and starts to hint towards like, oh, like his destiny, and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then he mm-hmm. just kind of like takes a trip. And then he goes and does some stuff, and things happen, and it's just weird shit that he starts seeing dead people with six senses things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then volume three is everything coming together, where it's like, oh, this is this shit's happening, yo. Uh, it's kind of a meta three act structure. It really is, um, and it's just it's so great at making sure you're on board with concepts before it moves on. Yeah. Like, there's still a couple moments where you read a line and you're like, that's fucking weird. Like how Baba Yaga kept that guy's soul in um, in a mouse and a cat and a dog and a goat in the bottom of the ocean or whatever. Like, <laughs> like it was like, what? <laughs> and then she, like, kisses the goat to change the guy's soul. And you're like, this is weird, but I know that this is the kind of stuff that happens, so alright. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a very strange universe. It's so weird. And, like, I you kept mentioning Arthurian legend um, when you were reading it. Or, like, when we were, when the book came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the movie came out. Yeah. And it doesn't introduce the Arthurian legend until Volume 3. Right. And when they introduce it, it's just, like, everything becomes Arthurian legend. Right. <laughs> it, like it basically drops all of like the reference to like African legend and stuff like that. It just yeah. goes straight Arthurian, yep. uh, which is super cool. Um, and like it does a good job of kind of leading you to the conclusion that it then tells you, right? But like it leads you to the conclusions that it, that are the big conclusions for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the final, like the actual last book left in that, um, and then on to volume four, mm-hmm. um, and I'm gonna read that tonight. But it's so good. Uh, I have been playing, um, more Civ. Not gonna get into that again. Uh, I, I bought, uh, um, um, trying to think of which two places I want to go first. I started playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, mm-hmm. which is a lot more, like, role, like, RPG than any of the other Assassin's Creed's, because you actually get to choose what you say. Okay. And, like, the, what you say has ramifications. I am only level 3 and, like, the max level level 40, so nothing mm-hmm. I've done yet has had... Like, nothing I've done I've seen the ramifications of yet. And I think there's one thing where you go get a spear for a temple and the priestess is like, thank you, like, do you want anything? And I was just like, nah, it's a donation. Because you can be like, give me a lot of money, mm-hmm. anything helps, and then this is a donation or whatever. And I was like, that's a donation. She's like, thank you, anything that you ever need, like, like blah, blah, blah. I'll remember that. Like, she said, I will remember this. I'm like, bit on the nose there, game, huh? That <laughs> way in your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that's going to come around, but you can play good or bad. Like, I don't know how that, it's not nearly as a robust system of good and bad as Red Dead is, mm-hmm. um, but you can be good or bad, and like, I think they're going to play into the gods, and the gods is kind of fun, because it's Greek gods, because it's, mm-hmm. and, like, you're a Spartan and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. you're, you're a Spartan in Greece. Um, so I know all the Greek gods, because I just read a fuck ton of Wonder Woman. Yeah. So I'm, like, familiar <laughs> with these things, and I'm like, oh, hey, cool. Um, but yeah, no, I'm doing stuff. With that, uh, I'm watching Avatar again. Um, 
I'm introducing someone to it, mm-hmm. and she's unfamiliar with it, and after the third episode, she's like, I want to watch more. <laughs> uh, I keep forgetting how fucking good this show is. I'm buying it on Amazon. Or they're gonna, it's, gonna, it's about to be on Netflix, which is enraging because I found out that it's going to be on Netflix the day after I bought the first season. Nah. Um, you fool. I bought the second and third seasons anyway because it's going to end up getting taken off of Netflix eventually anyway, yeah. so I still have it. Um, but if you ever want to start watching a show, you you have my Amazon. You should start watching it. I also have Netflix and it's going to be on it's there gonna in be, like yeah. two weeks. But it's so fucking good. Um, I cried several times only in the first season. And the big tearjerker happens late season two. Um... But it just does a great job of making you love characters and, like, you see character development and it's mm-hmm. just, like... Like, from the beginning, like, I, I don't know how much you know about the show or, like, heard Everything about... Everything is nice and peaceful. And then the Fire Nation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know the name Zuko? Do you he's, know the... He's the Fire Prince man. Yeah. That has, like, the world's greatest redemption arc. <laughs> there is no greater redemption arc than fucking Zuko. Uh, and you see it from, like, episode five. You're like, this shit gotta be a redemption arc! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's, the pacing's great. The story's great. It's a kid show, so the exposition's kind of forced and yeah. required. Um, but it's just, oh, God. I It makes me want a gritty version of this, where, like, Man, you know who'd be really good to direct? No, that? don't fucking say it. <laughs> I'm not shummel. It makes it, it makes me really want like I want Netflix to do it right. Yeah, because they're doing it, and I want them to do it right because it's an amazing. I just want that story, but like, I don't. They can do honestly a little bit more too. I don't know what you could add because it's a perfect story, but mm-hmm. like they could do more if you're not spending time like two minutes of every episode recapping what happened, like. Oh, like we do this because of that stuff. Like it, it could benefit from way more fuck we got us, but yeah, oh, it's so fucking good. I love it. And I have to stop myself from watching it because I don't want to just like watch the whole. I don't want to watch season two and then watch season two again, right? Um, because like then when you watch season two, then you gotta watch season three, and like I won't have time to watch them all, and then really quickly, and so that I'm back to the beginning again <laughs> for watching the third. <laughs> um, but that's happening. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. What's the other thing? Oh, uh, news real quick. Um, today was announced the next Assassin's Creed edition, mm-hmm. which is going to be Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh yeah. The uh, we all knew it was going to be Vikings because we heard the project, the working title was. <laughs> Of Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, so we're like Norse, okay, uh, Vikings yeah. maybe. Cool, <laughs> um, and it's gonna be awesome. Brendan, uh, well, the the way they actually announced this was actually really kind of cool. Um, so there's a guy named Boss Logic. I think you've heard of him. Yeah, he's the, the he's fan art guy, big old guy, the fan art. Uh, guy. It's it's officially no longer fan art. Like he actually is, is hired. I mean, he got hired. He did the um, Spider-Man Far From Home poster. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's right. he's officially. Art he's, guy. <laughs> he's the fan, fan art guy gone right. <laughs> uh, but um, Ubisoft hired him to make the official poster for Assassin's Creed. And their announcement was starting at 8 a.m. Or I guess 10 a.m. our time. Um, they had a recorded version of him creating that in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And it was this like 
four-hour-long process of him creating this thing. First of all, it's fucking cool to watch a master at Photoshop work. Because mm-hmm. it's just the, the amount of expertise. Like, he would, like, select a little thing, and then he would just, like, I don't know what the thing that popped up. It was, like, a dialog box with all these numbers, and he would just adjust a number, and it just made it click. And it was just, like... Like, he would adjust colors by their indexes, so, like, mm-hmm. you would be like, oh, that could use a little more green, and it's just, like, it fits perfectly, and it's like, what the fuck do you do this? Um, but they tried to make it seem like it was a live stream of him doing it. Definitely wasn't. It was 100% pre-recorded. Um, but, like, he built it back. It used the classic teal and orange thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, it was doing that, did that for four hours, and then it did. I, I didn't see the end of it, so I don't know if they just, like, pasted the Assassin's Creed Valhalla thing on it, but that's the official name. The cinematic trailer gets released tomorrow. Cool. Assassin's Creed easily has the greatest cinematic uh, trailers in the entire video game industry. Um, I should honestly Not at the burden people die. Huh? Not at the burden people die. Not at the burden people die! (laughs) That's not even remotely the best one. Like, I think to me what's weird is the best one my favorite one is actually from the worst game. Okay. My favorite one is from the Assassin's Creed Unity, which was the broken one from the French Revolution. Yeah. And it has a Lord song along with it, and it's just like, it's so cool. Right. I kind of want to show you all of them, because they're just so cool! Yeah, alright. And I'm going to watch them all tonight to build up for, the, for mm-hmm. this one, but um, I'm really excited for it because they've been on a really good track of developing the game and adding more and more, and it works every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the past two games have been nearly flawless. And like I and the way their pattern works is basically they do every two games they change the way the whole thing works. Mm-hmm. Um, so every every pair of games looks very similar. So Assassin's Creed right. uh, one was on its own. Assassin's one through Revelations are kind of weird. One was alone. Two and Brotherhood are the exact pretty much the exact same. Mm-hmm. Revelations is a slight variation on uh, Brotherhood mm-hmm. uh, two. Three and four look the same. Five and six look the same. Uh, Od- uh, Origins and Odyssey look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, five and six is a little different. Um, but that's just because five was fucking broken and they needed to improve a lot for six. Yeah. Um, but no, so I'm excited to see what kind of stuff they change with it. Um, the, the background, so this is more getting analytic. The background on it, the left was like a, um, like snow, like Viking ship. Ice, mm-hmm. stuff like that at night, and the right was like a castle, kind of grassland, plains terrain. So very, two very different terrains, and I'm wondering how big the map is going to spread, if you're going to like, if it's going to go like full Scandinavia to like, to Scotland. I don't know where sure. people yeah. did things, but um, I think the map's constantly I bit my lip. Uh, the maps constantly get bigger, and it's mm-hmm. going to be really cool to see kind of how they how they do all this stuff. Um, Brennan and I like to spew. We're going to do another episode sometime soon. Um, once I've played through Odyssey um, and we have a little bit more information on Valhalla, um, we're going to do another Assassin's Creed episode of like mm-hmm. kind of where they're going to go. So instead of like explaining the history of Assassin's Creed, we can talk about all these things. Because he and I have a million theories about what they could do with uh, future games. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about um, doing a China um Okay. China versus yeah. the Mongols. Ooh. Problem is, in Mongolia, they actually kind of revere Genghis Khan mm-hmm. because he was like the father of their culture. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and to me, that's a really good, good opportunity for the fact that the Templars aren't wholly bad. They mm-hmm. can be. They can be absolute trash. But like, they care about control and order for the sake of the preservation of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, 
and they kind of breach into the domain of conquest sometimes. And, like you could play with that where, and I, I love this idea of like you actually have two playable characters. One's like a lieutenant in the Chinese military who like mans the wall basically, and mm-hmm. one's a lieutenant in the Mongol Empire. And like you, it's two entirely different playstyles where like. The Mongol Empire, your lieutenant, where you're getting seen like the propaganda of like, oh, this is the best for our people, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. um, and it's more of a conquest thing where you like you take over large chunks of land and like th- there's that whole play aspect that yeah. Assassin's Creed already done, and then um, China is a more like doing things in China rather than right. nomadic, uh, so you can do some really interesting stuff with that. But that's just like a theory that I had for a game that hasn't been even thought of. Um, but no, uh, we're probably gonna do an episode of, like, stuff we'd like to see in Assassin's Creed, having played all of them, seeing where they're gonna go, so that might be, like, next few episodes. Alright. Um, cause... Cool. There's no movies coming out or anything, so our, our themed episodes are kind of at a halt. <laughs> but, we got some stuff. Anyway. What are you uh, talking about? Trolls World Tour came out. What? Trolls World Tour came out on Video On Demand. What? The movie, Trolls. Colon, World Tour. Oh my god. Came out on video on demand. Can't believe I missed that. It's kind of a big deal. Ah. Because it apparently went so well that Universal is now saying they're going to release all movies concurrently in theaters and on demand. And AMC theaters were so upset about that that they're going to refuse to show Universal movies anymore. Wow, really? Yeah. When did this happen? Like today. That's the news you were ready to go on. Yep. That is a great segue. Holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah. That's a shift in the paradigm of movies entirely. This might end up being the death of movies. Or movie theaters. <laughs> movies entirely. This, this is, I mean, we talked about this Could a little be. bit. Streaming's, like, gonna slowly kill the movie. People go for the movie experience, but if this is a thing that, like, this is like a parallel to uh, I think people a- working from home. I think AMC is thinking exactly what you are, and they are going full-on nuclear option right now. So what do you think is going to come out from this? Like, what like what do you think the next things are going to happen with this? Um, I'm curious to see if any other theaters join AMC's stand. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of feels like they'll have to strike when the iron's hot and do it within the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, Universal's kind of getting some backlash, just kind of the way they've handled this. Um, what do you think the possibility of... Um, some some sort of like shift in the way that the actual industry works in that uh so movie studios get a lot of money from ticket sales that's a big like chunk of their initial income that's how right. they gauge their success and stuff like that streaming is not not as much unless streaming services start paying like just out the ass yeah. for rights on that which the, the number they quoted for trolls was they made something like a hundred million on rentals and purchases hmm. um oh i guess because that's on demand not streaming services right so that's a thing right but they're also losing um revenue in number of people like a, a person can buy it and then all like six of their friends that's five right. ticket sales they lost right um so that could end up causing a huge like spike in the prices of on-demand video because then they do like research on um how many people do you typically watch a movie with and then they just well, take that average yeah, the, and so the this, this is a problem me and my mom were talking about because i i saw invisible man that was one of the last movies that was in theaters and i really liked it i recommended it to my mom 
and she was going to try to watch it, but it's like 20 bucks to rent on Amazon because mm-hmm. it was still in theaters. Yeah. And so I think their initial calculation was, yeah, someone's going to rent this and they're going to show it to three or four of their friends and we're going to have to defray those costs. Yeah. Problem is people don't want to pay 20 bucks to rent a movie. Yeah. People will pay like six bucks to rent a movie. Yeah. So, and so that, that might be the, because I mean, that's just, that's just the way the business works. That's yeah. where capitalism is starting to actually be like, it's not, that's where capitalism is. It works. Like that, it keeps kind of it keeps business it keeps things around. That like mm-hmm. I'm not getting super conservative, capitalistic right no, now. Just the, uh, like the market tends to equilibrate. Yeah, exactly. If if a streaming service or if if a uh, if a studio wants to release a movie on demand while they're doing uh, without movie theaters, mm-hmm. they need the streaming service to pay enough money where they can like make that initial like they'll probably try to go break even like what's well, a good opening di- opening night or opening weekend number um for like a marvel movie is maybe 100 million so let's say they need to pay 70 million dollars uh, well, let's actually say 200 million dollars because then they have the rights to the thing mm-hmm. or they just like it's a it's a straight up like a fraction of what people pay you for the movie you just pay us directly because that'd be like yeah instead of like you I buy mean, the rights you lease the movie you I, I assume that's how on yeah. demand works so then the company goes all right well like well then the then the um the studio will be the people who basically determine how much like they will be the ones who look and go okay uh, the average group of people is four people who watch a movie mm-hmm. on demand therefore the amount of money that we need per rent should equal four ticket sales plus convenience or whatever yeah and, and then that's going to be like 40 bucks yeah and no one is going to pay that no one's going to do that and instead they can all just like instead of paying 40 bucks they pay 32 dollars total to go to a movie theater yeah and then that's why movie theaters are still in, and then that's just how that works. But depending on how things, how deals might be struck, like movie theaters might start to fall away. What do you think the, I mean, studios can get greedy and be like, hey, movie theaters, we know that's your start. Now, if you want to, like, do this other thing, we can get more money. If you, like, uh, so for a Marvel movie, let's say Sam Raimi with uh, the Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. Hey, you wanna you want people to come see our our uh, Doctor Strange movie in the theaters? What we can do is you can pay us a fuck ton of money, money, uh, fuck ton of money. Mm-hmm. We can have Sam Raimi do something exclusively for your theater, like for for like mm-hmm. Regal. And so what you'll get is like um, some I don't know some like other experience of like you go into movie theater and before it is this entirely different like short thing of Doctor Strange like actually made by the director of the movie like mm-hmm. actually made by the studio that you wouldn't get by the streaming services then the studios or then the theaters have this other like experience that you can get and that mm-hmm. will draw a lot of people in that would fucking draw us in that's for sure that's for sure um I I don't know I, I think the theater experience in and of itself does have enough difference and enough value to at least carry some weight well, the thing is, like, the theater experience is starting to be a slightly less different experience than watching from them than it used to be because of just the technology of TVs and Blu-ray yeah. and stuff like that. Now the movies and the speakers that people have, like, pretty common people have 72-inch TVs with a pretty good surround system. Yeah. 
which was unheard of 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, so people are like, well, I mean, I can, at like a slightly smaller TV, I can just watch this. I can, I can watch this fucking movie that apparently there's a super silent scene that, uh, is for artistic <laughs> effect and have my super loud speakers and my great TV and not have a fucking asshole ruin it. Whoa. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, I think it's starting to become diminished by the advance of home entertainment systems. Yeah. Um, Not to the extent that theaters are going to completely disappear. Yet, no, because I mean, even though that is like a realistic thing for just a normal suburban family to have their 72-inch TV mm-hmm. home theater experience, surround sound, it's still not the norm. Yeah. Like, a, probably a substantial part of people who are watching Netflix is high schoolers and college students in their bedroom watching Netflix on their laptop. Yeah. Um, and so I think for them and for, I mean, even, even for like that suburban family with the 72 inch TV going to the movies is mm-hmm. still something that you do as a family on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, I'm worried that this is going to the hurt the theaters, mm-hmm. but there's a, a part of me and I'm concerned. It's wishful thinking that thinks that the theater's, they have something different, something special, something that makes them themselves that people will still pay to use. Yeah. There could well be a big disruption to the, to the business model. Maybe ticket prices go up. So this is universal. Yeah. Which means fallout's going to be, or not fallout. The next mission impossible is going to go yep. on there. All the dark universe stuff's going to go on there. Yeah. Um, Jurassic World 3 is going to go on there. Oh boy, that's a big one. Yeah. It's probably a billion dollar movie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Universal's huge. They fucking... They got, they got a theme park going. Yeah. Uh, there's a Pirate 6 happening, isn't there? I hope not. I think there is. I don't think Johnny Depp's attached to it. Good. I think they're going a different route. It's probably for the best. Could be entirely wrong, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I think Ghostbusters Universal... I don't know. I think they are. Because I vaguely remember, because I'm going, one uh, right now I'm actually just going through the theme park, like, from where uh, I went, yeah. and, like, trying to remember, because uh, I think I think they are, because it's, okay. um... They've got a movie coming out they this got, summer? they got a good movie coming out, because they've got, brought back, what, Bill Murray and all them, like, it's... I don't know. The original, like, yeah. the, who's alive of the original crew. Hopefully it's good. Yeah. The late sequel we actually deserve. Yeah. But I, that's, yeah, that's going to be, this, this is not a, this isn't Blumhouse. Like, no. studios could, or movie theaters would be fine if Blumhouse got boycotted, but, like, the next step up is, like, Disney, or, like, well, Yeah, I mean, Universal, Universal is one of, like, big. the big, yeah. I don't know what the number is. Big three. Yeah. I would say big three. Basically, Universal, Warner Media, and Disney. Yeah. Because Sony's. Fox used to be on that list. Well, Sony Disney. used to be, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like Disney's number one. I would say Universal's two and Warner Media is number three. I have no idea what the numbers look like, but I don't either. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so that's that's fun. Interesting times. Interesting times. Yeah. What else has happened? I pulled up a couple of things. I don't think they were very exciting. We can probably uh, move on to the move on to the topic because we're at fifty-one minutes. Oh boy. Uh, it's okay, we can make this as short as long or long as we want. Uh, Irfan Khan died. I saw that. Yeah. I haven't seen any movies then, but... Yeah, you have. Have I? Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Jurassic World. Oh. 
Sayo. <laughs> um, I thought I saw something that. Uh, Charlie Cox has shot down rumors that he's going to be in Spider-Man 3. Yes. Did you read the article about that? I just read the quote. Oh, so. yeah. It's If there is a Daredevil, it's not him. Right. Which is kind of disappointing, because if they cast a new one, then... I keep going back and forth on this, because he's great, and the show is great, but it's such a different universe. What is all this shit about another Joker being cast? What? Have you seen that rumor? No. There's like, there's a rumor going around, I don't even know the guy's name, it was like, MCU star gets cast as this, and I looked it up the guy, and I don't even know who the guy is, and he's not in any MCU movies, but it's like... Well, I guess, I mean, if they're if they're making more Batman movies that are set in the modern day, they probably need a new Batman, yeah. or a new Joker. Like, with the, with the Robert Pattinson one? Yeah. I kind of hope they don't go with the Joker, because holy shit, overdone. Yeah, well, they won't throw him in this movie, that's for sure. Holy overdone, Batman! Yeah. Um, I gotta work on my capstone report. Hmm. Anyway. I, I can't even find, like, the headlines. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll look back at later and maybe rant about it on okay. Twitter. Sounds good. Um, Anything else worth talking about? Don't think so. Not really. Fucking pandemic. Uh, so, Matt! So Preston. I just kind of came up with an idea. It's kind of a stupid idea, but it's going to happen because it's mildly wholesome. All right. And it's not very thought-invoking. Okay. But we're going to talk about celebrities that are best friends. Aww. <laughs> I don't know why I came up with this, but I just, like, I was like, I like all these, like, celebrities that you know that are just best friends, mm-hmm. like, outside of it. Because, like, it's a while ago, like, years ago, I was just like, why are celebrities all, like, best friends? Because they're, like... Why can only famous people be friends with famous people? It's like, no, it's because they fucking work together. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're always around each other. Yeah, you think of them as just co-workers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what I'm going to do, uh, level one, which is the boring level, which is basically Wikipedia reading, is I'm going to like list off pairs of uh, actors. Level two is a slight uh, like quiz on you. I'm going to list three actors, or mm-hmm. three, I guess, celebrities in general. Um, and you have to choose which two of them are best friends. Okay. Uh, best friends are really close friends. Right. Um, and then for some of them, I'll give like a little, like, kind of when they met, stuff like that. On all, not on all of them, but on some of them. Uh, level three that we can do if we want to, uh, is we can, um, think about, we can like talk about what we would like to see them together in. Okay. Because some of these have been in the movies together and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clearly. Some of them have actually never been in a movie together. Hmm. Um, they're just friends. Um, it's always fun. So we can talk about, like, if like if there's something that kind of comes off, like, right off the bat, we can talk about that, like, right. I would like to see them in. Yeah. Um, I'm primarily kind of thinking of, like, um, MCU movies. It's like they had cast MCU, recast MCU, or, yeah. like, DC characters. That'll be where I'll probably be yep. sticking my face in. Yep. Um, stuff like that. Just anything that, like, if Lord of the Rings got a remake, what you'd like to see them as, uh, or like in this Lord of the Rings show, what mm-hmm. might maybe you want to see that where you want to see them, stuff like that. Uh, so I'm gonna start off easy. Uh, Sophie Turner, Kit Harrington, and Macy Williams. Macy Williams. Which two of them are best friends? <laughs> Macy Williams and Sophie Turner. Yep. I've seen the Instagram videos. Yep. They are <laughs> adorable. adorable. <laughs> they are so like, despite the fact that like they 
after season one, they spent an entire seven seasons apart from each other, never filming together. Yep. Um, I mean, they were always like together in the same area because filming. Well, not necessarily. Not always, but like filming was kind of restricted to like Scotland, wasn't it? Nope. What was it? All over the place. Oh, anyway. But yeah, no, they're they're best friends. They're adorable. Uh, I have nothing about that. They met at Game of Thrones. <laughs> yep. Uh, next one: Jimmy Fallon, Justin Timberlake, and Ben Affleck. Uh, Which two of them are best friends. Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake. Yep. I'm starting with the easy ones. Yeah. Ben Affleck just seems like the kind of guy who doesn't have friends. Maybe. <laughs> well, he uh, does have one. <laughs> um. What? He does have one. Who? Matt Damon. Not fucking saying my next one, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon, Justin Timberlake. Uh, they met when they were they, they met at the VMAs back way back uh, before Justin Timberlake left NSYNC and Jimmy Fallon was still on SNL. Okay, they've been friends for a while. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything you'd like to see them in? Oh gosh. Um... I don't particularly like Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> no, I I really don't like him. Um, he'd make a pretty good Joker to Robin to or to Justin Timberlake's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a singing Justin, a singing Batman. Batman the Musical. Oh, I don't even know what I'm saying. Singing like Justin Timberlake can fucking act. Yeah, you see Social Network, right? Yeah. Oh man. Um, what would they be like? Because everything I'm thinking about, like, pairs, like... They could probably do, like, a really good buddy cop movie, where Jimmy Fallon's kind of a doofus, and the, yeah. Justin Timberlake's sort of the straight-laced, hard, hard-biting, hard-bitten... I wouldn't even say hard, but, like, like, hardened one. I think just, like, kind of the, kind of the straightforward, like... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Relatively serious, like, gets the job done, and Jimmy yeah. Fallon's just, like, always trying to be goofy and stuff, and, like, he's, like, it's, like, good cop and neutral cop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess the next one: Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Casey Affleck. What do they friends? Uh, um, Casey Affleck and Ben Affleck. Yeah, no, yeah. they hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, they went to high school together. And yeah, and they did Goodwill Hunting together. Yeah, and everyone thought that um, Matt Damon just kind of dragged Ben Affleck up with him, and Ben Affleck was just a terrible actor and didn't belong there in the first place. And then all of a sudden, Ben Affleck d- realized that he was really good at directing movies with Gone Baby Gone, and everyone was like, oh, okay, this guy's actually onto something. Yeah. And then he proceeded to become an actual good actor. And then, then he got cast as Batman, and BDS his life happened. fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what would I like to see them in? What, uh... Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Oh, God. <laughs> um. What would, he, what would he be a good... I feel like Ben Affleck would be a good villain in something. Yeah, I, could, I can kind of see it. And, like, yeah. Matt Damon would be, like, a good guy, because, I mean... Mm-hmm. He's not always a good guy, but he's, he's something... He's not, he's not always a good yeah. guy. Kind of like a, a morally gray good guy. Yeah. Um... I got nothing. This is a terrible, this uh. is a terrible part of this. <laughs> Uh, next one. Henry Cavill, Will Smith, and Tom Cruise. What? Two of them are best friends. Uh. Henry, That's a weird one, isn't it? Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise? Nope. Will Smith and Tom Cruise. Okay. Are actually, like, best friends. They, uh. Interesting. The two of them, they've never been in a movie together. 
Huh. But they, like, they just, like, met one time and just have been friends since and, like... Weird. Yeah. I don't have any, I don't have any anecdotes about it. It's just that, because all the articles I saw about, like, famous best friends, it was like, Will Smith and Tom Cruise! Next one! <laughs> I'm like, alright, I guess it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> They're just friends. Yeah. But yeah, what would the, what would that be like? Well, I'm thinking Will Smith would make a great, like, secondary antagonist in a, um, a Mission Impossible movie. Sort of the, the hired muscle. He's kind of a, mm-hmm. he's a cool guy. Um, I would love to see, actually, this is what we'll do. Buddy cop movie every time. But, we'll, but like, how the two buddies, <laughs> like, what the two people would be like. Okay. So for this one, Tom Cruise would also obviously be, like, the Mission Impossible kind of guy. Right. But you bring Will Smith back to, like... Fresh Prince Will Smith, and it's just like this this goofy like just whatever that is. <laughs> Bring comedy Will Smith back. He's yep. rapping at everyone. <laughs> uh, That'd be fun. That'd be good. Um, have you ever, did you ever see The Master? Nope. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson. It's got Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. What? Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson having a Philip Seymour Hoffman in it? Nonsense. <laughs> I didn't like it the first time I saw it, but I should probably rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Probably appreciate it now. Um, it's basically a, a thinly veiled Scientology thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is Mr. Scientology, and Joaquin Phoenix kind of falls in with him. Mm-hmm. Um, they should remake that with Will Smith and Tom Cruise, where Tom Cruise mm-hmm. is the Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah, character. Yeah, he's very Scientology. <laughs> I would love to have Will Smith comment on the fact that Tom uh, Tom Cruise's teeth are like offset. <laughs> something about his stupid. I'm gonna teeth. hit you so hard in your face that your teeth are gonna be back in line. <laughs> What's wrong with my teeth? <laughs> uh, Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore. Charlie's um, Angels. Okay. I don't know who Drew Barrymore is, so I'm going to go with the other two. Lucy and Cameron <laughs> you know Diaz. Drew Barrymore is? No. <laughs> they were the three Charlie's Angels from like the... Oh, the terrible 2000s one? Yeah. yeah. Nope. It was Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore. Okay. They actually met way before that. Uh, Drew Barrymore was a barista. Whoa. At a star- at a, well, it was a coffee shop. Because Starbucks didn't exist back then. I don't know. Before, but uh, but no, Cameron Diaz was a regular, and they just kind of like bonded over coffee, and then they got a job as... The Charlie's Angels together. That's fun. With Lucy Liu. <laughs> uh, they're actually like kind of, they're still kind of friends with Lucy Liu, but like the two of them are the, mm-hmm. the pair. Um, what would Buddy Cop be like? I don't know them well enough. Yeah, I, don't, I can't say I've seen them really. Karen Diaz is kind of like romance, isn't she? She's in a lot of romance movies. Well, you're asking me? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't know them well enough. Uh, next one. Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep, and Hillary Clinton. Did I just throw <laughs> Hillary Clinton in there to confuse you, or is Hillary Clinton just Meryl Streep and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I remembered that being a thing. And they yeah. Just, they kind of seemed like they would have somehow <laughs> accidentally lead each other into each other's path. And... I'm like, I don't know anything about that. They're just friends. Hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, Nicole Kidman, Char- Char- Charlize Theron, and Naomi Watts. Hmm. Uh. Oh boy. 
See, I, already, I get these three confused anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I threw the third one in. Uh, okay. Uh, Kidman and Watts. Yep. Cool. They they met on the 1991 movie Flirting. Okay. I thought I remembered them being in something together like yep. back then. Actually, and they both run a movie with Charlie Theron at some point. Nicole Kidman and Theron yeah. Bombshell. Yeah. Um, but what I tried to do for the most part is find a movie that they shared mm-hmm. with the third person to at least... Make it like, you can't go like, oh, they were in a movie together, so them. Which right. also would be terrible logic so far, because Hillary Clinton and uh, Meryl Streep, <laughs> Will Smith and Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, next one! Uh, oh wait, I don't know any really much about them. I feel like they'd just both be badass women. Shirley's Theron would be terrifying Mad Max Fury Road style. Um, and Well, she wasn't the one of the friends. Nicole Kidman and so Naomi Watts. I can't I picture Naomi Watts. Neither can I. I don't really know them that well. I'm sh- I know I've seen her in stuff. I know yeah. I've liked her in stuff. I just can't picture her right now. Yep. Uh, next one. Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, and Lisa Kudrow. Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> Which two? Uh, Aniston, <laughs> Which two of the friends? Aniston and Cox. Yep. Cool. Uh, Kudrow is still one of their really close friends, mm-hmm. but uh, Aniston and Cox are like hangout all the fucking time. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is Courtney Cox's uh, daughter's uh, godmother. Okay. Uh, by the way, her daughter's name is Coco Cox. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. Uh, and then Courtney Cox was also the maid of honor for Jennifer Aniston in a marriage that no longer exists. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, who was it? Um, th- hmm. His name is kind of interesting. I think he's friends with uh, Jimmy Fallon. Justin Timberlake. No. No, Jimmy Kimmel. Sorry, wrong, wrong Jimmy. Oh. Can't remember. Anyway. Oh, well. Uh, next one! Ellen DeGeneres, Julia Roberts, and George Clooney. Uh, oh. Oh. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Ellen? It's an interesting bunch, isn't it? Ellen and Clooney. Nope. Julia Roberts and George Clooney. Mountain Motion's 11. That was the obvious one. That's the I obvious like, one. That's too obvious. But I threw Preston's, it on me. Oh, you're, you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh. they, they literally swap parenting advice. Okay. Like, they're they're like the best friend parents. All right. That'd be uh, an interesting buddy cop movie. That would. That would really, because, like, we know what their chemistry's like. Yeah. From Ocean's movies. Yep. Oh, man. I think she'd be straight-laced and he'd be a little goofy. No, I think he'd be... I think what it would be is he, he has this, like, like, uh, it's, like, kind of a flip on the, she's, like, right out of the academy, mm-hmm. even though she's not nearly that young. Right. She looks it sometimes. She Holy just, shit. She went back, second job. Um, second career. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so she's, like, kind of just out of the academy, so kind of by the books, and he's not. But, like, it flips it where, like, oh, they're, they're just out of the... Out of the out of the academy needs to learn, but like she's actually right all the time, <laughs> and like he's constantly wrong. Maybe this is why you're still a beat cop. Yeah, sixty five. <laughs> exactly. There we go. That's what it'd be like. It's her constantly bringing him down to like real, and like just he's wrong all the time, and he's like just embittered about everything all the time. Uh, next one, Jennifer Stone. Oh, Jennifer Stone. That'd be such a good like. 
sort of meta commentary on the hard bitten detective, and he's like, he's a bit of an alcoholic. Yeah. And it's just like. He's actually just really and he's bad. He's just, just wrong all the time. Yeah. He's bad at his job. <laughs> Uh, Emma Stone, Jennifer Lawrence, and Anna de Armas. Uh, Stone and Lawrence. Yep. Uh, Woody Harrelson introduced them. Okay. Uh, after Lawrence, he was with Lawrence on The Hunger Games, and he was with Emma on um, Zombieland. Right. Yeah. He right. introduced them, and like he was just like, hey, look, you guys would like each other. And then I imagine it was just like, hey, like I think you two guys would be friends. And they just like lock eyes, and then they just push Woody away, and they, like, skip away. <laughs> it's like, because it was like that kind of thing where it was just a love at first sight. Yeah. The two of them. They seem like they'd get along really well. Absolutely. Probably be a terrible buddy cop movie, though, because they're kind of just similar, like, They're goofy. very, I think, I feel like it, it, they could play with uh, Lawrence's kind of, like, klutzy real-life nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like that's what she's kind of, like, for the two of them, it would be going through Academy, I feel like. And yeah. so it would be, like, kind of her klutzy nature, kind of, like, becoming less of a klutz. And then I feel like Emma Stone could really play, like, a, a serious person that needs to kind of lighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be, like, the two opposites becoming best friends yeah. and bringing into the middle. Yeah. But it'd have to be a comedy, because I think yeah. if Emma Stone's going to be serious, she'd be like, I'm so serious. You see La La Land, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure it's still recording. No, she's a she's a great super actor. Jesus Christ! That was terrifying. That was my mom, probably. That sounds like your mom kind of thing to do. My mom thing to do. I don't know. I can't see if they're still out there. I don't know. Ah, I want to live with it. Um, whoops! Give me a second. I don't have a third person <laughs> for this one. Hang on, gotta think of someone. Just say the two. I'll think of a third one, and then you'll have to guess. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston, Paul Rudd. Oh, uh, uh, Michael Pena. Perfect. <laughs> Definitely Paul Rudd and Michael Pena. Been friends forever since Ant Man. Yep. <laughs> no, I fucked up. Uh, they were actually friends before before Paul Rudd was on Friends. Huh. They were both an object of my affection in 1998, and then. Paul Rudd just came on, like, they weren't even, like, he was, uh, Phoebe's yeah. ex, or, well, boyfriend, yeah. and, and friends, but, yep, there's them. Uh, here's a really tough one. It's kind of fucking tough. Selena Gomez. Okay. John Reese davies and literally everyone in Hollywood. <laughs> Davies seems like he has friends with everyone. Nope. Selena Gomez is friends with so fucking many people. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Cara Delevingne, Taylor Swift, Demi Lovato, Lily Collins. Just, like, every list I was on, she was on there at least twice and almost always with someone else. (laughs) Yeah. I I hear she's really nice to work with. Yeah. Like, just... Especially, and she's, like, out there, too. Like, she's, like, movies, shows, and, like, mm-hmm. and she, like, came up through Disney, so she had a lot of the Disney friends. Yeah. Uh, then, then did music, so she was, like, then in the, in the pop scene. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. Uh, Tom Hardy, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Tobey Maguire. No one's friends with Tobey Maguire, so it's gotta be DiCaprio and Hardy. No, DiCaprio and Maguire. Hmm. 
They're actually really, really close friends. The Spider-Man. Uh, what? Leo almost played Spider-Man. The... I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah. They yeah. actually, like, they auditioned for the same role forever ago, like, in high school. And that's when they okay. met and became really friends. And apparently... And- the two, and then they were up together in Great Gatsby, which is like kind of the culmination uh, okay. of their friendship. Yeah. Uh, but like sense. their entire careers, they've never made a career decision without consulting the other. Huh. Every single movie they've been in, they've asked the other one if they should do it. So Tobey Maguire is a terrible person because he's been actively sabotaging Leo's Oscar chances. But little did he know, Leo was going to go so far as to eat a bison liver. Was it bear? Was it a bison? I think it was a bear. Hmm. No, he fought a bear. Oh. It was a CGI bear. Yeah. But he ate a bison liver. No, it was the bear. Spider-Man 3. Because that's when Toby, or that's when fucking Leo came back with revenge. He's like, you motherfucker are stopping me from getting Oscars. You should do the Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I've read the script. It's great. That Venom character, totally natural. <laughs> that's exactly like the comics. Yeah. Um, what would a Leo and Toby one be like? Spider-Verse. Duh. Give me a harder one. <laughs> <laughs> buddy, buddy cop with Leo, and I feel like they'd both just be angsty and angry. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Angsty anger, angsty and angry. That's the that's yep. what they call them. That's what they call those two buddy cops. Angsty and they angry. Call them. It's a very boring movie. <laughs> There's no dynamic tension. Cara Delevingne, Rihanna, and Anne Hathaway. Uh, Cara Delevingne and Rihanna. Yep. They met at a fashion show. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of the connection I've made there. Yeah. What would the two of them be like? I don't even know what Rihanna's like in the movie, because I haven't seen Battleship. She's in um, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I haven't seen that either. She doesn't have much to do in it. Um, she's fine. Alright. I, I hear she's had some decent roles in some other stuff. But... Mm-hmm. Mostly she just didn't do that much. Oh, she was in something recently where it was just like, oh, that was Rihanna. Holy shit. Yeah. I remember. Yep. Uh, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, and George Clooney. Pitt Clooney. Yep. Did you know that one already? Yeah. yeah. Ocean's Eleven. That's that's one of the famous ones. Yep. I, I was going to put that at the top, but I didn't know about that, and I figured throwing Matt Damon in there might, <laughs> might, <laughs> might throw a, a wrench. Yeah. That'd probably be pretty good. That'd be really interesting because Matt da- uh, or Brad Pitt like plays serious and can play grungy. Yeah, I could see him doing kind of the loose cannon. Yeah, but serious. He's like, I feel like he'd be a good like loose, yeah, like a loose cannon with George Clooney as like old and wise. Yeah, trying to steer him right. That is the follow up to the. To the Julia Roberts Clooney one. Julia Roberts brings him down and like he learns a lot from her and then she goes on to be like sergeant and he's still a she cop but he dies. <gasps> and it's what drives him. Alright, woman in he a got fridge. Her, he got her killed and the, he, his mistake got her killed and then... Alright, woman in a fridge. I, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's it's his fault and he shapes up and does his life better. Does his life better. Yes. Hate it. <laughs> Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman, and Emily Blunt. Uh, see, I want to think that there's something between Anne Hathaway and Emily Blunt, but I also think that might just be my teenage threesome fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, think about it. Who's, who's the, the third one? 
Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman, Emily Blunt. Uh, Hathaway and Jackman. You sure? Yes. Oh, fuck, I chose the wrong person. I was going to say... I was going to say Blake Lively! <laughs> I chose the wrong <laughs> wife of one of my favorite couples. You messed Damn up. Damn it! If I'd said Blake Lively, would have thrown like a little confusion with him and no. Ryan Reynolds? No. No? Who'd you say? Uh... Hathaway and Jackman. Yeah, whichever one was the right one. They miss. Yep, they miss. They're, uh, and they just seem like they'd get along. Yeah, like, because he was, oh my god, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. It's so painful. <laughs> <laughs> I would, like, that would be a really interesting. Do you think he'd play, like, a Wolverine level? Or, like, do you think he'd play, like, a, uh... I don't think he'd go full Wolverine, necessarily, but... I think he. I think they could flip it, and he'd be like a by the books. Like, I'm thinking like, um, oh, what's the uh, Chappie before he kind of goes mentally insane? I haven't seen Chappie. Oh, he's like the he's the really smart like military guy. Mm. Um, but like, imagine him kind of being like he could be. I, I like put him in some sunglasses and a tucked in shirt. Yeah, like super shredded but tucked in. Like he's like the like the Terry Crews of Brooklyn Nine Nine kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then she's just like absolutely bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> like hair's always messed up, like glasses crooked all the time. Yep, that'd be a fun buddy cop. That'd be good. Um, Ava De- Ava DuVernay. I messed up the vowels my entire life for her. I thought it was DeVernay, not DuVernay. And it's also DuVernay. DuVernay. Fucking hell. Ava DuVernay, Natalie Portman, and Rashida Jones. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Duvernay and Jones. Nope. Okay. So the two I don't know anything about, so I was kind of just assuming. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Portman and Rashida Jones. Okay. Never been in anything together. <laughs> just super close friends. All right. It's awesome. I love them both. You know who Rashida? Have you seen Parks and Rec? Nope. Oh. Have you seen Office? Yep. She's in Office for like a season. She's um. Oh, she's she, the what's girl that face? dates Jim for a while. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. She's great. I love yeah. her. Who's Interesting. The, what the fuck? I'm drawing a blank on Claire's on Ahsoka. What's her name? Rosario she, Dawson. Rosario Dawson. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I was going to put Rosario Darson, but I couldn't think of her name for a minute. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, Natalie Portman and Rashida Jones, just super close friends. Okay. Awesome. Uh, they were actually like, uh, the reason I chose Ava DuVernay is because it was the three of them, the three of them were really close friends before the Me Too movement. Uh-huh. And then at once the Me Too movement started coming down, that's because Natalie Portman, she was like, I had like one f- like actress friend because I constantly work with males. Mm-hmm. And that was Rashida Jones. Um, so it's, Yeah. Okay. Like a Me Too stuff behind that. Uh, last one. Liv Tyler, Kate Hudson, and Owen Wilson. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you just draw three names out of a hat? Nope. Uh, I'm going to go with Liv Tyler and Owen Wilson. Nope. Okay. All three of them. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Liv Tyler and Kate Hudson. Okay. Uh, they're just high school friends. Oh. Like grew up in high school. What? I love that stuff. But yeah. We're like when two friends parallel come up like to fame like this. Yeah. 
Great. Yeah. I know very little about Kate Hudson, and I know that Liv Tyler is one of the most badass characters of the Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> yeah. Now she's on 911 Palace. What? How the Mighty Have Fallen. How the Mighty Have Fallen is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> well, she was in Hulk. It was kind of a slow fall. Hulk was fine. Hulk was alright. But it was Lord of the Rings, and it was a little better than... So it was, it was, a, it was a decline. It wasn't just like a... Yeah. She was also in, um... One of those asteroid movies. Yeah. What Can't remember mean? which one. Yeah. I think it was Deep Impact. No, because it was one I'd seen. So Armageddon? I haven't seen Armageddon. Armageddon. Okay, maybe she was in one of those and I saw her in something else. I don't know. How else has she been? I really want to know, because this Tyler I think is like a... Yeah. I think we know she's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's for fucking sure. Yeah. Kate Hudson was kind of the, the queen of the rom-coms for a while there. Yeah, and she was with one in, uh, with Owen Wilson in one, which is why I chose him. Okay. Oh, God. Why are... Oh, Hannah is a show? I thought Hannah was a movie. It was both. Oh. They made a movie a few years ago, and then they made a show recently. Oh, because it's on season two now. Oh, she's an Armageddon. Ha! I was right on my second try. Yep. Uh, and then she... What? I didn't want to click on... Anyway. Uh, that's all I got! Okay. No, another famous uh, couple of best friends. You and me! I could have gone, like, literally anywhere else with it, but I went straight forward with it. Yeah. I hate you. I know. Anyway, shall we? We shall. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to this. I think we had some fun with this one. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of a... For being such a stupid one, we could have come up with a way better episode, but I was like, I came up with it, I was like, that's kind of stupid. I, I don't want to think about anything else. Oh, yeah. just do this one. Yeah. That was, that was nice. That was good. Good good change of pace there. Uh, you can find us occasionally on Facebook, where we're just as losers. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Podbean, and Spotify. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's fellating the instrument over there. I'm not going to give away what it is, but that, that should be a hint. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Just Us Losers Pod. We're on Instagram, at Just Us Losers Pod. You're going to rant about something. I don't remember what it is. Uh, needing another Joker. That's right. You know, I'm going to rant about Joker. Cool. Just in general. Not the movie Joker, but like the character Joker and how it's been used. Alright. Sounds like fun. Boy. That's a lot of typing. It's Twitter. You're gonna have to like I might like pace yourself. type it up on a on a Word document, send it to my phone and copy paste chunks of it. That'll be fun. Time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a ninety part rant. So pay attention to that coming soon to Twitter near you. Um we're I'll on Gmail, justicelosers at gmail.com. Uh, where if you want to tell us about your favorite celebrity best friends, uh, then you can you can do that there. That'll be a good good place for that. We're on Patreon. Still don't really know what the address is for that, but we're there. Do uh, it. Send us money so we can go to movies. He said, knowing full well that there were no movies coming out. Send us <laughs> movies so we can send us money so we can spend twenty bucks to rent Trolls Two: The World Tour. Oh God! Or whatever it's called. Um. Yeah, I don't think we know what we're talking about next week yet, but we'll figure it out at some point. That may or may not be on the actual way to driving to go record, but 
Who knows? We'll see. If you've got an idea, let us know in one of those places, because we kind of need something to talk about, always. We can come up with something. I mean, we will come up with something, if, if you don't stop us with something better first. So, yeah. this if next week's episode is bad, it's really your fault. Yeah, Most there you go. The show. Yeah. Let's pass the blame here. Yep. Uh, yeah. But no, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. 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 I've never played this instrument. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, I, now I understand why all piccolo players are deaf in their right ear. Yep. God, that clips so bad. <laughs>